So here we have the words of God in verse number one. God speaking to Jacob. And God said unto Jacob, these are God's very words, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. So in this one verse, we see four directives from God to Jacob, four action verbs. Arise, go, dwell there, and make an altar. Four different directives. Number one, he's told him to arise, to get up, to get up from the place where he was. To, he, he, in order to, to accomplish what God was going to have Jacob to accomplish, the first thing they had to do was to rise up. And, and, and really to do anything, to accomplish anything good or great, we have to first leave the spot where we are. We have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to just get up. We don't accomplish anything just by sitting still and by doing what we've always done. We accomplish something for the Lord by first saying, being willing to just rise up and go. And so before God could instruct Jacob about the thing that he wanted him to do, which is going to change his life, he said, first, just get up, arise. And then he said to him, Go up to Bethel. Leave the place where you are now and go to this place, which was a, a very important spot, as you will know, for Jacob. Turn back a couple of chapters, a few chapters, to Genesis 28. Again, this will be familiar territory for many of you. We're not going to take the time to go through this completely, but this was the spot after Jacob had fled from his brother Esau, who was wanting to kill him, he, was, he, he fled for his life, and he, he, he laid, laid down to sleep in this place, and he had a dream about this ladder going up into heaven. You remember that. If you don't, you could read it in Genesis chapter number 28. But after, after Jacob had this dream, he woke up from his dream, and we're going to pick up after he woke up from the dream in verse number 16. Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone which he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar, a pillar and poured oil upon it, upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of this, that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob bowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth. Unto thee. So this place, Bethel, had great significance for Jacob. God found Jacob at a very challenging time in his life. He had just deceived his father. He had run away. His brother wanted to kill him. And God found him and, 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 and had this dream. And Jacob said, if you'll take care of me, God. He made this vow to God. If you'll take care of me, if you'll give me food to eat and clothes to wear, then God, you will surely be my God. That's Bethel. That's the place where God is now telling Jacob many years later, decades later, go back to Bethel. Arise, go to Bethel. 
And then he tells them to dwell there. So he wasn't just telling them to go there for a vacation, for a quick drop-in. He said, this is going to be your new home. And this was big for Jacob because Jacob had recently, he had bought property in the land where he was living. And now God's telling him, now get up from where you are. Don't get too, you're getting too comfortable there. That's not where you're supposed to live. And he called him back to the place of great significance, back to Bethel, back to the place where God had met with Jacob. And then he told him to make an altar there. Once he arrived, make an altar just like he had so many years ago with those, those rocks that he had slept on. He had made a pillar, and now God says, go back to Bethel and make this pillar, make this altar unto God. Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God. He was to worship God. He was to make a public memorial, another public memorial of what God was showing him, dedicating himself once again to God. That was the message of God to Jacob. God spoke, Jacob, arise, go back to Bethel, dwell there, live there, and then worship me, set up a monument, a pillar there. So what would Jacob do with these commands from God? How would he respond? Verse 2, back in Genesis chapter 35, verse 2, here was Jacob's response. Then Jacob said unto his household, And to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments and let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and who was with me in the way which I went. Jacob remembered how that God had found him in his time of distress. He listened to the words of God and he took them seriously. He hadn't always taken God's words seriously. If you know Jacob's past, you know his history, you know that he wasn't always the most honest, trustworthy, exemplary citizen. But here, without hesitation, Jacob was quick to obey what God told him to do. Now by this time in, in Jacob's life, he had been through a lot. He had already, his brother had tried to kill him, he fled for his life. You remember that his father-in-law lied to him on multiple occasions when he was trying to, to, to get this wife... And maybe the only time in history that we know of a man was tricked into marrying the wrong woman. I mean, Jacob had been through a lot at this time. He was in a lot of distress. He'd been, he'd been through a lot. And perhaps nothing affected him like what affected him in the previous chapter, in, 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 in chapter 34. And it's so important to the story that I think we ought to at least look at it. Um, chapter 34, just look back one, one chapter. In the very first verse... Dinah, the daughter of Leah, Leah was Jacob's wife, so Dinah, who was his daughter, the, Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. This is the, where he was living prior to God calling him out. By the way, if you look just up a few verses from, the, from there, in chapter 33 and verse 19, or 18, he came to Shalem. A city in Shechem. So he was, he was coming to Shechem. Verse 19, he bought some land, bought a parcel of land. Verse 20, he built an altar. So he's getting settled into this new place. Verse 1 of chapter 34, Dinah goes out to see the daughters of the land. And verse 2 says, When Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. Jacob, in this new land, just bought some property. His daughter goes out and the, the, this man of Shechem 
finds her, takes her, his own daughter, and defiles her. Fast forward to verse number 7. The sons of Jacob, when they found out about it, came out of the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved. They were very wroth. These are Jacob's sons, Dinah's brothers. They were very wroth because he had wrought folly in Israel in lying with Jacob's daughter, which thing ought not to be done. And, and Hamor communed with them, saying... These are some really unbelievable verses for me. Hamor is the one that, had, that, that found her, that, that, the father of the one that took her, that defiled her. Hamor communed with them, saying, these brothers, the soul of my son Shechem longeth for your daughter. I pray you give her him to wife. And make ye marriages with us, and give your daughters unto us, and take our daughters unto you, and ye shall dwell with us. And the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade ye therein, and get you possessions therein. And Shechem said unto her father, and unto her brethren, Let me find grace in your eyes, and what ye shall say unto me I will give. Ask me never so much dowry and gift, and I will give according as ye shall say unto me. But give me the damsel to wife. And the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor his father deceitfully, and said, Because he hath defiled Dinah their sister, and they said unto him, unto them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one that is uncircumcised, for that were a reproach unto us. But in, in this we will consent unto you, if ye will be as we be, that every male of you be circumcised. And Hamor and Shechem convinced all of the men in their, in their city to be circumcised. Jacob's sons, angry, obviously angry with what had happened to their sister, pull off the scheme to convince all of these men to be circumcised. And so they, they get everyone to do it, saying, we'll be your friends, we'll, new business opportunities, we, we, we can marry their daughters and they can marry our sons. And then verse 24, unto Hamor and unto Shechem his son hearkened, all that went out of the gate of a city, and every male was circumcised, not according to their religion, but because they thought it would be good for their business, good for their society. All that went out of the gate of the city, and, the, and it came to pass on the third day when they were sore that the two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brethren, took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. And they slew Hamor. And Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword, and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and spoiled the city. Because they had defiled their sister, they took their sheep and their oxen, their asses. Verse 29, they took all their wealth, their little ones, their wives, they took captive. They spoiled even all that was in the house. In verse 30, we see Jacob's response. And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, ye have troubled me. To make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me. And I shall be destroyed, I and my house. And they said, should he deal with our sister as with an harlot? Now after reading all of that, and I realize we, we went through it fast. But after reading all of that, it gives new context to chapter 35. When God is once again going to find Jacob at this low place, this place of despair and he's going to meet with him. You can imagine, as a father, what this tragic event would do to you. And so God, in his great mercy, once again finds 
Jacob in this moment, over the pain of the defilement of his daughter, over the embarrassment and shame over the way his sons had reacted, not just in avenging their sister, but then in taking even the the children and the wives of these men. And God finds Jacob in this moment, and he calls out to him in in, in the great mercy that God has. He calls out to him in the great grace that he has, and and he calls to Jacob, and he says, now Jacob, get up and and go back to Bethel and, and, and live there. Where you're living now, this place where you are now, this is not your home. Get up, go back to Bethel, dwell there, and worship me. And Jacob would lead his family to obey these commands of God. But before he led them to obey God's command to rise and to dwell in this new city, he knew there were some things that needed to be done. Verse 2, again, back in chapter 35. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. So before he could say, arise and go to Bethel in verse 3 and build an altar, he has to say in verse 2, put away the strange gods that are among you. Change your garments. Be clean. What this tells me, what this tells us, is that Jacob was aware of idolatry in his own house. Jacob was aware that in his own family there was idol worship in his own family. Jacob, who was the the grandson of Abraham, the son of Isaac, the one that God had met with in a dream, the one that God had given him this name, he's allowing, at the very least, he's allowing idol worship in his own family. And now he recognizes if we're going to go back, if we're going to go back to the place where God intends to, to dwell with us and meet with us, to the house of God, to Bethel, before we can worship him there and build the altar as God has commanded, we've got to get some things right in our own families. We've got to get the sin out. He understood that he couldn't worship God rightly with this sin in their family. He had to clean their ways, change their garments. You'll notice that God didn't tell Jacob here to get rid of the idols. God didn't tell Jacob to change his garments to clean. He just told him to go. God didn't have to tell him again because God had already made made his God's commands are clear about these things, about idol worship. And so we don't have to be told every single time that we do something wrong that we need to confess that particular sin because God's word has already made it clear. We know what God's word said. And in order to meet with God and to be, receive the blessing of God, we have to go back to those things that we know. So Jacob knew there was sin in his house, sin in his camp. And before he went off, he decided to... He, he, he decided to get these things right. And, you know, any true child of God desires these moments of communion with our Heavenly Father like Jacob had here. And when we know he is speaking, when the preacher is preaching, and he's preaching to an entire congregation, but it's, it's, it's like God is speaking to us directly. Or when we're reading his word, and, and it's like God is saying something special, or we're praying, and God is speaking directly and clearly to us. We all... We all Want that? That's what God is calling. God is calling Jacob back to this place where he had met with him in that way. But he said, before you get back to that place with me, there are some things in your life that you've got to get right. And Jacob knew it. So Jacob called his family. Let's get get the idols out of here. Take the earrings off. 
take a, take a bath, change your clothes, put on clean clothes. We're going to go meet with God. So what will his family do? How will they react? Verse 4, we see, They gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand. There was some, ser- there was some serious idolatry going on here. They gave him all of their gods. I don't know how many gods they had, but it was more than a, more than a couple apparently. All their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. This speaks to the influence of a spiritual father. Any parent, really, but especially a father, and the the influence they have on their family. Because parents are not always, or children are not always quick to obey their parents. They're not always quick to obey their fathers. And um, it's not uncommon for someone, for a a mom or a dad to come home on a whim Maybe after listening to a message or something and say, things are going to change around here. We're going to get rid of the cell phones. We're going to get rid of the internet. We're going to get rid of the TV. Everything's changing tonight. And that isn't always met well by children. But in this case, God had met and first dealt with Jacob over his sin. And Jacob, in humility, was getting his own sin right. And then he goes to his family and says, God's calling us back to Bethel. We've got to get some things right in our family. And they followed him. They met They went along with their father. And so Jacob, verse 6, came to Luz. Which is by the land of Canaan, that is Bethel. He and all the people that were with him. They followed him. They went with him. And he built there an altar, just as God had told him to. And called the place El Bethel. Because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. So God spoke. God gave the command. Jacob obeyed. The people followed their leader, their father, Jacob. And finally, we're going to see how God blessed Jacob and the family because of it. First in verse number five. As they, and they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. This is a supernatural fear upon all the cities around Jacob and his family as they journeyed. It wasn't because of Jacob's army. It was because God had put a fear in the people around them so that they would not attack Jacob and his family. The terror of God was on them. Nobody would touch them, not because not because the, the great soldiers they were, although we know that a couple of them at least could handle a sword, based on chapter 34. Verse 9, God again appeared unto Jacob, and he came out to Padanaram and blessed him. Again, we see the blessing of God. Verse 10, and God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am, all, I am God Almighty, be fruitful, And multiply a nation and a company of nations shall be of thee. And kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I give Abraham and Isaac to thee I will give it. And to thy seed after thee will I give the land. And God went up from him into the place where he talked with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him. Even a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering thereon. And he poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him. Bethel. So here God confirmed the covenant that he had made with his father, with his grandfather, 
that his seed would be like the dust of the earth, that the, all the land that would belong to him, that his generations would go on and on and on. God blessed the obedience of Jacob and his people. And I wanted to really think about this tonight because it's such a simple formula. I mean, all of us, all of us want to be blessed by God. All of us do. All of us want supernatural blessing in our life that can only come as a result of God's hand. And the formula to receive the blessing of God, at least here, is very simple. Hear what God has said. Listen to it. Take it. Adapt it. Believe it. Obey it. Pass it on to others around us, and God bless. God's already spoken to us. We're not going to have a dream like Jacob had with a ladder going up into heaven. We're not going to be met. We're not going to have a wrestling match with God like, and wrestle all night long like Jacob did. God's already given us his word. His word is complete. We have it in its, in its entirety. We know God has spoken. So his part, God's part of the formula is already complete. He's given us his word. So then it's our responsibility to take what God has already told us and to believe it and to, by faith, to do it, to trust and to obey. Obey what God has said to us to do. And then, for those of us that are in any place of authority, whether in the, in the home or in the workplace, or just to, to friends and, and neighbors that we have, to take what God has shown us and to pass that along to others and to lead others to follow as Jacob did. He wasn't going to leave them alone. He took his family along with him. And then if, if we'll do those things, we'll see the blessing of God in our life. It's not complicated, but it does require something from us. It requires that we, that we arise and go. God wasn't going to bless Jacob in the way that he had intended to bless him in the place where he was living. God didn't want him there. God had, God had a different place for him, which Jacob already knew. And so God had to tell him, the first thing you got to do, Jacob, is just, you got to get up. Where you are is not the place of God's blessing. And sometimes it requires that we go somewhere, do something, get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes God has to poke us a little bit and prod us a little bit and say, I want to bless you, but where you are is not where you're supposed to be. And I don't mean the physical address that we live in necessarily, but what, what we're doing, where we're living, how we're acting, the things that we're involved in. God needs to poke us and say, you've got you to shake yourself out of this level of complacent, complacency that you're in, this apathy that you're in. And I want you to rise up and I want you to go do something. And then in the course of that, we look in the mirror and say, now, what do I need to, what sin am I allowing in my life? What sin is, am, am I allowing in the, in the life of my family? What, are, what have we allowed to creep in that's keeping us from God's blessing? And we have to repent of sins that are unholy, things that are displeasing to God. We have to get honest and say, this, I've allowed this into my life, just as Jacob knew better than to allow these false gods into his life, yet he had allowed them to creep in. And now that, he's, and that God is calling him, he's saying, I, I want to go with God in the way that God has called me, but I cannot go with him and hold on to these false gods. And so things that we've allowed into our life, we have to be willing to, to, to repent of them and say, God, I'm, I'm done with this. In order to, I, I choose Christ. I choose to give up the things that I'm holding on to that I want, the things that are unholy, ungodly. I choose to give those things up, and I choose to follow after Christ. 
That's what Jacob did, and God blessed his family and blessed him as a result. And I think God wants to bless each of us in the same way, but we've got to be willing to get up out of our comfort zone, trust God's word, repent of our sin, and follow him. So simple, and yet unattained by so many of us.